welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. So, uh, yeah. anyway, uh, so guest. yeah, we've got a guest. Yeah. Um, he is uh, comedian Mike Schmidt. What? I don't know if I like. Eh. <laughs> well, we got a guest. Okay, so we we that didn't sound good at all. Whenever we record the guest episodes, we record like in this studio here, and so there's always the sound quality is always a little better. Yeah. So we had been sort of it sort of happened organically mentioning it every time at the beginning of every guest episode, like oh the sounds better, so it's a guest episode. And I think we'd done it enough where Tyler. I could tell Tyler was about to say it, and I was like, eh, you don't have to say that. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I brought it out. <laughs> exactly. Way to go, buddy. We got tired of stuff right around the time you showed up. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of that? Wow, you were probably tired two hours ago when I was supposed to show up. Yeah. Oh, well, should we talk about that? Go ahead. I was uh, late, late yeah. for this podcast. Uh, and, and not my fault. I, uh, they were supposed to call. No, they weren't. <laughs> uh, completely my fault. And, uh, and I've offered to uh, make some sort of amends, but they you know, still shared their cookies with me, so we're fine. Absolutely. Sure. Somebody's got to eat them. <laughs> what am I talking about? I'll eat them. Yeah. Uh, but somebody's got to share them so I don't get huge. But you got a you got a belly full of sushi and you got your Bears jersey on. So yeah, yeah. I was in the middle. I, I just started the game because I had T-voted. I was out with my wife. I'm an idiot. Whatever. I don't have my cell phone on me during the week because nobody calls me. I have no friends. And uh, <laughs> and then during the weekend, it's charging because it's on all week and not ringing. And uh, <laughs> so I didn't have it with me, to, so I didn't hear the alert. I'm an, I'm, and I don't go. I don't go and check email on the weekend. Uh, God, what is wrong with me? I, what am I, Ted Kaczynski? Seriously, I don't do anything on the weekend. I just put on a hooded sweatshirt and I, I mail bombs to people. I'm a fucking moron. So whatever, I missed it and I'm late and now we're doing this late and they were nice enough to not yell at me. Yeah, but no, I, like, I, I called Mike and he answered his phone and he said, uh, I said, Mike? He said, yeah. He said, uh, I said, hey, it's David from Battleship Attention. And he goes, uh, oh, hey, how's it going? Oh, fuck, I'm an idiot. Yep. <laughs> hey. Oh, yeah, that was bad. But I knew right away. And I said, I, I told my wife, because my wife and I are supposed to do something else tonight, uh, the big meeting, the big what's going on for Christmas meeting. And uh, sorry. <laughs> so I'm going to be late for that, too. Okay, <laughs> she might be calling. If she calls here, we won't pick it up. But if she calls me here, then yeah, that's why. Like we can put her on the yeah, uh, on the on the microphone. Oh sure, <laughs> yeah, that'd be fantastic. As if people aren't clicking off their their iPods now with this nonsense. Oh man, no people are they're happy to hear from you again. Now those <laughs> listeners, we our podcast has actually been mentioned on Never Not Funny. We have talked about it before. Mike, you used to be on Never Not Funny. You've been on the the Goebel Show. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Jesse Go. Yes. So you're you're a podcast regular. Yeah, and I, my buddy David Lawrence does the online tonight podcast and I'm on there uh, I do that every week. Doing it this Thursday again. But uh yeah. So I I mean I enjoy it. It's great. Be nice if uh you know it caught on in some sort of fashion where people started paying for them or something like that. That'd be neat. Yeah, that would be <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm I'm of two minds about that. As a as a as a podcaster, I'd like that. But as a listener of at least half a dozen podcasts a week, I oh know. sure, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like them for free. Yeah, when I get on the plane and I go, oh, I've got all of these to listen to. Wow, this could have cost me twenty five dollars. Luckily, this is all free. So, uh, well, before we get to the topic, let's take a second to get to know Mike Schmidt. All right. Uh, so, because we, you know, our most of our fan base are movie geeks and you know not comedy geeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Mike's a comedian. Uh, well known for his punctuality. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so tell us about that. You're from Chicago, right? Yeah, originally from Chicago. Lived here for about 10 years. Um, been a stand-up comic since early 90s. 91? Yeah, Gulf War? Yeah, yeah. me. First Gulf War? Yeah, well, you were four. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like 91. Uh, and, uh, you know, came out here. Been here, uh, you know, was lucky enough. Um, Jimmy Pardo was a good friend of mine. And we, I, I would go out and do, uh, you know, feature work with him when I would work the road. I would always work with Jim. Uh, and then I was able to get some writing gigs in town. I've written for uh, a show called uh, Funny Money, 
which was on the Game Show Network, a show called Starface, which was on the Game Show Network. I uh, wrote for Cheap Seats, which was hosted by the Scholars Brothers sure. on uh, ESPN Classic, I think it was. Yes. And uh, then I, the most recent show I did was I sh- did a clip show called Funniest Pets and People, um, which is still airing ad nauseum, ad infinitum <laughs> on, uh, on WGN. And I think it's also on TBS, but I'm not sure. But it airs at least twice a day. I, and I, re- I think it airs six times on Tuesdays. Um, and it airs twice a day on Saturday and Sunday as well. It airs all the time, so it's constantly on. And uh, I also wrote uh, for a game show called Saints Row, which was uh, real popular. And we wrote all the a video game. Yeah, it was a video game uh, you said for the game Xbox show. game show. <laughs> oh, you said. Christ, sorry, uh, a video game. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> yeah, the, the, this money'd still be rolled again for Saints Row. Saint. People getting killed. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I wrote for that and did voices on that. And uh, yeah, and and that's that. And now just doing stand up. And uh, I don't know when this airs, but I would I would plug something this week, but it probably is not going to air this week. Uh, uh, we haven't decided yet. Well, it doesn't uh, matter. It's not going to air by Tuesday. Tomorrow. Oh, do you could? We well, if you could, come see me at Comedy Death Ray on Tuesday the 27th. We're doing the Halftime Comedy Show. But if not, I hope you saw it and enjoyed it when you're hearing this well, three weeks from now. Explain the Halftime Comedy Show because it's kind of cool. Okay. The Halftime Comedy Show, is uh, it was an uh, idea. Um, I, I don't know if it was Scott Aukerman and Howard Kramer. I know Howard was the one who first asked me, and, uh, and you know Scott's the Death Ray guy, so I think he had a big hand in it as well. And it was um, Howard Kramer came up with an idea where they, they were going to do halftime comedy. It's a kind of a – it's not a parody, uh-huh. but it's essentially like those NFL halftime shows or the pregame shows. Right. And it's a four-man roundtable where it's me, uh, Eddie Pepitone, Joe Wagner, and Howard Kramer. And we come out and do analysis of comedy up top. Isn't Natasha Leggero? Uh, well, well, she will be on. Yeah, I'm just saying. At the top, it's the four man, oh, okay. like the round table. I don't know what Natasha's doing. We've had, you know, we've had a few people involved in it. Uh, we've done it. This is the third time we're doing it. We, we do it once a year, okay. usually. Um, and uh, we've had some. Someone was a weather girl one time, and oh. a sideline reporter. I think Natasha will probably be a sideline reporter this time. And uh, you know, the, the, what it is is we'll we'll comment. We bring a comic out. Comic comes out and does his time, and then he gets interrupted by the the Fox music, and we come out and discuss his first half. <laughs> we analyze it. We break it down. Uh, and then he comes out for his second half. And uh, and Fred Armisen is on the bill this week. Uh, Natasha Leggero, like you said, will be involved in, in the production itself. I think Paul and, Tompkins. Uh, Paul F. Tompkins. The Squires, the the Squires are definitely Squires. doing it, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, so it should be great. It should be a lot of fun. It's uh, November 27th at the UCB Theater in Los Angeles. Reservations are certainly already gone. I'm sure they are, <laughs> but come on down and stand in that line and uh, not get in. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so uh, well, Saints Row that had uh, well did that have yeah. gangsters in it <laughs> by any chance? Oh, it, it's yeah, tons of gangsters. Okay, you were well, you were. It was all about gangs. Okay, uh, well, there was then. the Los Carnales and the uh, they were all knockoffs. I like to get a Los Carnales taco. Oh, really? You like yeah. those? <laughs> I, I, I like the lengua myself, but oh, I, do I don't you? mind a Carnales. I have, I have I have yet uh, mustered up the gumption to try the lengua. The, the wow, do you remember Mustard Up the Gumption? <laughs> yeah. That was a great play. I saw that when I was in high school, and uh, we actually were going to perform it, and then I said I couldn't. I didn't have the gumption, quite frankly. It's August Wilson, right? He, yeah. He wrote that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, there's, like, Lengua, and there's Cabeza, which is head. Right. And, uh, well, the one I can't pronounce, which is Pork, pork Stomach, like Buche. Is that uh, I think so, yeah. Birria is goat. Like, I, yeah, Birria is goat. I love taco trucks, and I love looking at those items and... Uh, Eventually deciding against quaking them. in fear. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I when you walk think, into a bar and they've this got is the a time. I'm going to eat some goat. And exactly. I, I back down. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's like when you go into a bar and they got a jar of pickled eggs. <laughs> yeah. and You're going, yeah, that might be good. Never. <laughs> you just walk past it and you want to knock it over just to see if it reeks up the bar like the next horrible. Oh, terrible. Yeah, so people, uh, yeah, there's there's gangsters in Saints Row and uh, that's a that's a good segue. We're going to talk about our favorite uh, movie gangsters. All right. Uh, so let's get into it, shall we? Uh, let's do it. What 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 gangsters do you like, Mike? 
Well, uh, I would say probably uh, my favorite movie, uh, I don't want to say of all time because that's always weird, but the movie that I return to over and over and over is Reservoir Dogs. Sure. It's, uh, yeah. it's, I, I, I saw it when I lived out here. It had only opened here, and it was at, uh, down at the New Art, and I lived here. This is in you know, 90, I think it was. Uh, yeah. and, and I went with a friend of mine because I, I just happened to read a review in the LA Times. They were saying it was this new wave type of way of doing films and da da da. And I, 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 so I said, okay, well, I'll go check this out. And I walked out of the movie and I walked across the street to a payphone and called my friend in Chicago on a payphone and said, you have to see this fucking movie. Yeah. I said, it's only here. I go, I don't know if when it's opening there or even if it's ever going to open there. I said, but you've got to see this fucking movie. And then we went across the street and we watched it again. We watched oh, cool. it the very next showing. Cool. Uh, and uh, so Mr. Blonde is, for me, the be-all, end-all of of gangsters and and you know tough guys and and evil in in movies and and he was just the the picture of charismatic violence and i loved him and i still do yeah and that's sort of a a mainstay of movie gangsters is the is is the charisma sure you know i mean that's that's we like uh like with tony soprano we 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 like these people even though they're horrible people i i wouldn't want to in no. real life, hang out with any of them. I'm <laughs> Mr. Terrified. Blonde is not a good guy. Yeah, but we're we're drawn to them, and that's sort of. I mean, it's it's sort of an, an id type of thing. Like this is that's why we're drawn to gangsters is because we wish we could. Oh, I have a lot of that going on. I mean, I, I, I it seems like everything. I, I went to. Uh, I actually went to Hell's Kitchen yesterday, which is not a movie. <laughs> it's a television show. It probably is a movie. <laughs> but uh, I went to the to a taping uh, and. If you're familiar with Chef Gordon Ramsay, I don't know if you oh, are yeah, or you aren't. Yeah. A waiter asked me what the appeal was of him, and I said, "I go, you know why? I go because he's he's a macho cook. I go, it's the weirdest. <laughs> yeah. It's such a dichotomy, and it's so strange. But he is he's a cook who looks like he could whip your ass, and yeah. for some reason, I find that fascinating. Well, so it's he like was a, he was a soccer player. He was right. Yeah, he's yeah. very he's very physical and very. Uh, I mean, that's. One thing I really like about him is that he he comes on. He's such a stiff prick in every one of his shows, and he'll get right in somebody's face, and he'll yeah. basically challenge them. Hey, hit me! I I couldn't care less. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> and I I always have identified with that. I don't know whatever you know dad issues or whatever I have in my past that makes me identify with those kind of characters. But I I've always loved it. Tony Soprano, you mentioned again yeah. a television show, but certainly worthy of, of cinematic uh, yeah. praise and just Definitely. an unbelievable character. And I would he, so visceral. I would I would sit. I would feel my back tense up, leaning forward when something was going to happen. Watching him, yeah. because you empathize with him so much, even exactly. though he was a, just a fucking monster all the time, you know. And and you know, and like I said, I'm a guy who has rage issues and violence and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, the scene where he was arguing with Carmela and Carmela tells him that she basically wanted to fuck Furio right. and he punches his fist <laughs> through the wall yeah. and, and not just once, just like, like that constant right. flurry of right. right hands. Yeah. And I, and I just, and I identify with it because we, we've been there, I've been there, you know, and, and it's like Jimmy Conway. It's when Robert De Niro in Goodfellas, when they tell him Pesci got it. Yeah, he's he's gone. What do you mean he's gone? He's gone, and there was nothing we could do. And he takes the fucking phone and he rams the phone. That that's such a great move when the guy's hammer, you know, <laughs> hammering the phone like into the phone, the yeah. the receiver. I'm a huge fan of that. When we did Jimmy Pardo's one man show, I was like, at the end, I said, dude, hammer the phone because he had he was on a phone call, and I said, just do that because it's such a violent uh-huh. image, and I it's to me an iconic image from movies of a guy taking the receiver of the phone and just battering the phone itself. So I'm sorry to go off on a tangent there, but I mean, I, I, but yeah, I mean, absolutely with gangsters, it is, it is all about the charisma and, and, uh, and yeah. And that when you're talking about that, 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 uh, 
uh, that expression of, of emotion that there's there's no filter there. And that's what I'm talking yeah. about when I talk about the the id. You sure, know, they they just uh, you know like in uh, <clears throat> in Donnie like Michael Madsen and Donnie Brasco. Yeah. you know when he sort of takes over and they they're robbing those uh, the truck drivers and he's gonna he's gonna shoot the guy and they're like no no they pull him away you yeah. know and he's like all right I'm cool and he turns around and pops of course guy. he does yeah. yeah and and Madsen is I am a huge Madsen guy so I mean I, I in everything he's in I, I yeah. I'll watch it and I mean in, in the Getaway which is not even a great movie the remake is you know right. it, it's nowhere it doesn't touch the original but for me Madsen is great in it I mean he's just just again really evil and he's got this crazy mullet and uh you know and baldwin's really good in it too and james woods is really good in it, just chewing oh, scenery all over the place uh just you know again not a good movie compared to the original but still madsen is just again straight charisma and straight violence well speaking of donnie brasco i want to mention my personal favorite movie gangster of all time is lefty ruggiero played by al pacino in donnie brasco nice because he's because uh, <clears throat> you know he's your typical gangster he uh he, you know he's tough. He he's killed twenty six people, as he says, <laughs> ad nauseum throughout the yeah. movie. But he's such a he's like got such a vulnerability because he's so he's so self conscious and he's he's reached a place in the hierarchy and he knows he can't go up yeah. anymore. He's he's a, he's at retirement age, but he's still a pretty low level guy. And that you can tell that's eating him up inside. But at the same time, he still likes to talk the game like he's like he's Henry Hill at the beginning of of Goodfellas. You right. know, he's like in love with that lifestyle, and I've sort of. I've known guys like that, not gangsters, but people who, uh, well, you know, will never get above, above a certain point in life, but love to talk like they are. Yeah, you know, love the allure of it. I yeah, my uh, we were talking about. <clears throat> excuse me, we were talking about uh, like gangsters who just they have no f- no filter. They just the only thing they are accountable to is themselves, um, and as such, they will say and do horrible awful things and i'd say probably for me the uh, the one that best exemplifies that is don logan in sexy beast played by ben kingsley who i, I forget what critics said this but they basically said that to hear him speak is to feel violated because he would just say his first his first line in the in the movie is it, it's in spain and it's hot and his first line is like he gets out of the car He's just arrived and he says, "I got to change my shirt. It's, it's sticking to me. I'm sweating like a cunt." And it's just that's his first <laughs> yeah. time, and, yeah. And it's just and it just spews out. But also, what's weird is that you see a guy like that trying to be friends with people, and it's the it's the most it's an uncomfortable movie to watch. Yeah, because he's like he's just a bully, basically. That yeah. he's just he just wants his own way, but he also wants people to like him. And of course, you can't have both. Well, and with you talking about a guy who uh, gangsters are accountable only to themselves, Don Logan is really accountable only to himself. Yeah, yeah. I think he only speaks because he has to to communicate to people. But yeah. uh, but all he speaks in are orders, essentially, to everybody in that movie. And it's it's yeah. So I mean, I, I completely agree with you. Well, the thing I like about <clears throat> about that performance and that role in Sexy Beast is uh, the the discomfort you're talking about, Tyler, when you're uh, when he's on screen. I think is more like what it would probably be like to be in the room with one of those kind of guys, right? You know it. He doesn't have the charisma. I mean, he does to a certain extent, but it's it's off putting in in I think a more authentic way. Yeah, well, you're not you're not rooting for him in that movie. Yeah, yeah. In a lot of movies, you're you're seeing a gangster like and like you said, Lefty or and Mr. Yeah. Blonde, and and you you wind up rooting for these guys in spite of all of their horrible acts. You just want that guy to fucking die. Yeah. Like I mean, as soon because yeah, it horribly. is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what gets me is like 
you you were talking about uh, Lefty and Donnie Brasco only being at a certain level, and Don is very much like that too. And po- possibly the reason he can't be charismatic is because at his level, you can't be. You have to be a soldier. You have to do what you have to do. Whereas sure. if you look several notches above him, you see uh, te- uh, Teddy Bass. Yeah, yeah played, played by, by Ian McShane. And he is a lot more of what you expect. He's he's cool. He's collected even when he's shooting somebody in the face. And he's just, he's a little more, and it's because of guys like Don and his ferocious nature that a guy like Teddy can be can be in power and he can afford to be so suave. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's that's what Ian, Ian McShane brings, I think. Because even though, I mean, Al Swearingen in Deadwood isn't technically a gangster, he's still running pretty much an organized crime yeah. unit, uh, somewhat organized. And he's a bad guy. Yeah, and he is, but he's, he's so, I don't know if empathetic is the word, but you do end up rooting for him. Well, and, and that's partially because uh, they just, with each passing season, they just bring worse people to the, to the, uh, yeah. To the town. Right, yeah, because, yeah, Al Swearingen's like the villain in season one, and then uh, I guess it sort of becomes Francis Wolcott and... Uh, yeah. Tolliver. Too, and, and, and Cy Tolliver in season two, and then Hearst comes in season three. Did you watch Deadwood? Absolutely. Yeah, and Hearst... Uh, yeah, definitely makes Swearingen look like a teddy bear. Yeah, I'm going to go <laughs> off. Uh, we we go off on tangents, and I've been wanting to say this for a long time that uh, Gerald McCraney, Major Dad, <laughs> his performance as uh, George Hurst is one of the most amazing performances I've ever seen because he really is a true sociopath and just a guy who it is amazing to see pure evil like that <laughs> and just and he's so at ease with it, you know, and just. And sometimes, and I, it's like he doesn't understand how humans work. Like he just <laughs> he sees that like oh I just you know his little his maid uh, you know he winds up killing her son. Spoilers, um, he winds up killing her son, and then he realizes well I can't just come out and say I killed your son. So he like comes up with this lie and he says it so half-assed that it's just like well people in a situation like this would lie right? Yeah. Well I guess I'll do it too. <laughs> <laughs> It's an amazing performance. And and I also think in that it's it shows that he does have some affection for her. Right. Because he normally wouldn't fucking care. He would right. tell everybody he killed them and I he'd laugh. He'd hand them their ear. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think it genuinely showed that e- even as evil and horrible a person as he is, yeah. he did have some he didn't care for her a little bit, so he felt like, well, you know what, maybe I'll try to couch this and help and, and you know, f- spare her feelings. Right. Which is one of the only people he's ever done that with, probably. Right. Yeah. And, but it's a, and it's also a testament to the character that like you never know if if he genuinely cares about her or if it's more just functions like well she's the only one that can make the breakfast True. the way I want yeah so, and, <laughs> and I think it's I think it's a, a great a great performance because you can't tell you can't tell right if when he is expressing what seems like genuine emotion if he's doing it with an ulterior motive yeah so man that's a great performance sorry no it's great <laughs> slight, uh, slight tangent so well uh, Tyler what's who's your uh, well, we already talked about Don Logan. I forgot. Uh, well, I, you know, I'll say this: that as far as the the, the hyper cool, you know, collected like the gangster that everybody wishes they were, for me, it's a comedy. Chili Palmer from <laughs> Shorty. Oh, sure, Man. yeah. And I I love reading all Elmore Leonard because I'm, I'm it, not that they're bad, but it's just because I you know I'm a geeky guy who can <laughs> beat up anybody to save his life. But, <laughs> But you watch that and you're like, hell yeah, Chili, go get him. Yeah, you know. So he's the one that everybody that that like I imagine gang, like real life gangsters would want to be. When in fact, I imagine most of them wind up like Dennis Farina in Get Shorty. Yeah. Who basically, he's not smart. He just has power because he's willing to kill people. But he's probably an idiot. Right. Um, 
But yeah, Chili Palmer for me is like one of the best uh, movie gangsters. Well, there's another uh, movie that has that same duality, the Chili Palmer, Dennis Farina thing, uh, Miller's Crossing, oh, which yeah. has two of my favorite gangsters, uh, Tom uh, Regan, played yeah. by Gabriel Byrne, and Leo, played by Albert Finney. Yeah. And then there's the John Polito character, who is yeah. much like Dennis Farina. He's almost comic relief, you know, because he's... he's dumb as a box of rocks but yeah. he's violent and that's how he gets his his power have yeah. you seen miller's crossing not in a while yeah. i was just talking about it with somebody as a matter of fact and it's, it's on the uh, it's in the queue and that is one of the best gangster scenes is uh is leo played by albert finney like when you like it really sets up he's gonna die like in that one scene there's hitmen coming towards him he seen he looks like he's helpless just he's got he's bed. got danny boy on the he's got on, danny on the boy. phonograph he's smoking a cigar in a in a smoking jacket and he just has this serene look on his face and it's like oh that's we're taught that oh he's gonna die but at least he'll die happy but like uh no he doesn't die he kills everyone <laughs> blows up cars and, yeah. it's just, and it just and it's one of those things where he's not the smartest guy and he's kind of trusting of the wrong people and you wonder like well how did he get to this point of power oh that's how because he'll just kill everyone by, with his own hands, no less. Um, yeah, he's a great... And that, as compared to Casper, who is just hilarious once right. you start, you know, the minute he is on screen. Yeah. Well, that reminds me of something that, Tyler, you and I were talking about, is the, the difference between uh, uh, Italian gangsters and Irish yeah. gangsters, is that the Italian gang- gangsters are more likely to be the sort of warm-seeming uh, and charismatic, the very gregarious and funny, you know. But also the ones with incredible tempers and all yeah, that. And, yeah, and then and then the, the Irish gangsters are, are cold and distant and usually yeah. regretful about something. And <laughs> yeah, you didn't need to say gangsters and that at all. <laughs> 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 the, Irish, yeah. the Irish are cold and distant. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, if you look at something like, I mean, you look at... Uh, you know the Godfather and Goodfellas. It's like that's all about it. Italian gangsters. Right, and there's Sonny Corleone. He's Sonny just like Cor- a, yeah, yeah. a ball of emotion. And Joe Pesci and all that. You look at freaking Road to Perdition, Miller's Crossing, and there and it's just like they they are so stone faced as they're about to shoot you that it's just like oh whatever. Yeah. And just the general end attitude. It's just like. Well, we're all damned anyway. I might as well kill everybody. Yeah, that's the thing. Like in, in Road to Perdition and in other Irish gangster movies, they're more likely to talk about hell because they're yeah. they're uh, more they seem more devout in their Catholicism in yeah. a way, which creates more of a duality. So yeah. they're more likely to talk about the fact that they're damned and they've resigned to this lifestyle. Whereas it seems like the the uh, the Italian gangsters, at least in movies, you know, are more likely to to rationalize, you know. And, well, yeah, they and view what they're off. doing as a job. Yeah, you know. Whereas I think Irish people realize it's a way of life, and it's it's going to yeah. cost them in the end. Um, yeah, and you know, if you look at the difference in a show like The Sopranos and a show like Brotherhood, I mean, The Sopranos is so much more fun to watch, but Brotherhood is so much more somber. I mean, that is a it's a great. Did you show. watch that show? I do not. It's, it's a good. very good show, yeah. but it can seem like a... I mean, you can watch like five episodes of The Sopranos in a row, and you're like, all right, doing great. You watch like two episodes in a row of Brotherhood, and you're just like, I want to kill myself. <laughs> this is horrible. Sounds like a great show. All right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a solid show, sure. but it's not, not the easiest show. Yeah, it's a little exhausting. <laughs> so. Well, it's like Oz. I mean, Christ, I watched, I watched every single episode of Oz, oh, beginning yeah. to end, every season, and the last one ended, and I literally just like tossed the remote down and went, well... Never have to see that again in my life. <laughs> Don't have any interest in seeing a guy get raped by a spoon ever again. 
Uh, and it's on DVD, and I don't know who's buying it on DVD. I would, if you bought it for me in a store, I would look at you cross-eyed. I'd be like, seriously, you want to see Beecher shit on Schillinger's face again, again? and again? Yeah. Please. I got a story for you. So I bought seasons one and two of Oz. And uh-huh. What happened was I was working at Blockbuster at the time, and I I liked the show. And at the time, Blockbuster was offering this thing where you could you could sell your movies to Blockbuster and then they would sell them as used okay. to, the, to the public. And at the time, there was a glitch that if you're an employee, you can take full advantage of where uh, it was anything, any used thing for 20 bucks, even if the thing itself is more. So it's like I got seasons one and two for $20. Oh, okay. And so I was just like, ah, that, how could I not take advantage of that? So I did it and then I thought, I was like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> I'm not going to watch this ever again. So then I traded it back but here's the thing. I traded it back. I got 15 bucks for one, 20 bucks for the other. So all of a sudden I made, you know, 15 bucks and stuff. Made a little dough, house. sure. <laughs> Big. And then, I, and then I did that with a couple more DVDs only to find out that employees aren't supposed to. So, and I got it. Wow. Is it, so you might want to edit that unless you're going to go down from the Whatever. blockbuster cops. Freaking, I don't know it's what in, happens. It's in Chicago and I, and I quit, so it was fine. On, on Oz, man, you know, the, the performances were worth seeing. Everybody was a terrific actor. Everybody did a nice job in Adebisi and... and uh, there's still a scene in there that I remember when, you know, it goes along the lines of being a tough guy. When uh, Chucky Pencamo, which is Chuck Zito, right. and he and Shibetta and another guy jump at a BC in the kitchen. And as they're doing it, well, Shibetta, because Shibetta can't fight. He was uh, uh, the younger Italian guy who took over the mob after the older Shibetta died. Yeah. Right. Uh, they fed him ground glass. I don't know, they fed the guy ground glass after yeah, the, the other Shibetta. Shibetta yeah, he died. He had, right. right. This is Peter Shibetta, right? Right. Yeah, so they, they jump Adebisi, and Adebisi fights them off, and Pencamo's supposed to leave this badass, and, and Adebisi's a monster, and he hits him in the head with a big one of those big industrial canned goods cans, oh, yeah. and, it's, and it's just like a real fight, because he just hits him, and he goes, sit down, when he hits him in the head, uh-huh. and knocks him out, and then Adebisi walks out, he's knocked these three guys out, and he gets this look on his face, you know what I'm talking and he gets oh, a look yeah. in, his, in his eye, and he smiles, puts his headphones on, and rapes Shibetta. <laughs> that, he just decides, you know what? I'm going to fuck that guy. Uh, because, you know what? They tried to do it to me, and he's the leader of the Italians, and he knows that if he does it to him, the Italians are finished in the prison. Right. And it's this weird look. Man, it, it's an amazing acting turn, because he just gets this face like... It, it, it was like the electric company. Something would go... Bling, 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 and there'd be a bubble above his head of anal rape. I mean, it's... And he just... He bends Shibetta over the table, and then they stay with it for a good 30 they, they seconds. Do. And you, with a lot of yeah, Ned Beatty watched it and went, "Ooh, that's rough." I mean, it was, it was that kind of scene. So yeah, that was well, that brutal. Was a, that was a thing on uh, something I had heard about is that if you as an actor were like late or you like didn't get along with your, you know, co-stars and and just you're kind of a pain to work with, your character would either be killed or raped. Really? Uh, that's, <laughs> I think that's. I think that should tell you something. Like, if you can, knowing that, you can go back and watch it and be like, oh, that guy must have been a dick. Wow. <laughs> Big dick. Yeah. Yeah, because they rape, how the guy they rape and kill? And you're like, hey, that guy's yeah. a real jag off. killed, man. <laughs> um, oh, my. Okay, so we've gotten slightly off topic. But, but all of it, I mean, I guess we could say gangsters, but like criminals in general. I mean, like, you talk about Adebisi, and he just gets that look that says, like, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And it's like, no person, no who would make that leap. Has that. Exactly. That's why, and that's why it stayed with me so much. Is who makes that leap? Who, yeah. who? It's. Uh, I have a neighbor who is insanely angry. 
he'll his phone will ring. I'm not kidding. His phone will ring in his house, and I can hear it through the apartment wall. And he picks it up. He goes, "What the fuck? What the fuck are you calling for? You need to stop! No, I'm not coming in! I'm not coming in!" Clang! Slams the phone down. Who's that mad from the jump? I can't understand. Who are you that angry with that you would le- leap? There's not even a discourse. There's not even. Hey, how you doing? He is that. He is on 10 from the jump the second the phone rings. And from an actor point of view, you know, I mean, he's got nowhere to go from there. No. Like, if he actually gets mad at someone, it's not going to Look, we can all play rage. Absolutely. (laughs) Try to, you need levels. That reminds me just before, when I was standing outside before we started recording, and I was looking down on the parking lot, and this guy came out of the 7-Eleven and got into his car, and I could see through the windshield he was trying to get his... uh, his seatbelt to latch. Yeah. And, he wouldn't, and he's just going, oh, you cocksucker! Get in there! <laughs> this guy's furious at a belt. Yeah. Oh, I am so mad at this inanimate object. There's nothing better. There's nothing, seeing that kind of stuff happen is genius. I mean, I, I love it. One of my favorite stories to tell about my own stupidity is I, uh, I years ago, I must have been 15, I had a, a container of Kool-Aid, but it was not a clear container. Oh, yeah. So I, yeah. So I went to pour myself a delicious glass of what I thought was going to be grape Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. Out came red. I was expecting <laughs> purple. And I respond, I acted as if a freaking snake had come out. Because I was just like, what the hell? And I like threw the glass. <laughs> the I was just like, ah! And then I stopped for a second. Like, what did yeah. I just do? How irrational am I? It's what? Like, I don't even, it's like, I like red Kool-Aid. Like, yeah. it's, it was just that culture, just not culture shock, that's dumb. But just like, I was expecting purple. Come on. <laughs> so you so violently heave your glass across the room. Wow. All right. Well, let's get back to gangsters. Um, hey, I have, a, I have a gangster that, is a, um, that was a huge favorite of mine uh, from a movie I saw. at, the, at I went to the theater in 80, 1981. So I was, what was I, 14? Okay. It was a double feature with a movie called Backroads with Sally Field and Tommy Lee Jones. Okay. Don't see it. Right. Uh, although I loved Sally Field for like weeks after that. At 14, sad. <laughs> um, but they, it was a double feature with a movie called Thief. And it's a oh, movie uh, Michael starring Mann movie. Uh, Michael Mann directed it and James Caan is in it. Plays a thief named Frank with Tuesday Weld, Willie Nelson, uh, Robert Prosky is in it. Oh, yeah. And I, I still have it now on my TiVo. Uh, it, it, is, it was the movie I watched as a kid and... Um, you know, I, 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 whatever, I grew up in it with just a single parent household with my mom. Right. So I didn't have a whole lot of like male role models. And I watched this movie and I took what it meant to be a man away from this movie. I know that's ridiculous to say, uh-huh. but at the, at the age of 14, it appealed to me because he's one of those take no shit type of guys who, you know, he, he just, my money in an hour, or you'd be wearing your ass for a hat. And he walks the fuck out of a guy's house, uh-huh. like that kind of thing, real, very severe. And you know he and uh, I mean it's just a phenomenal movie you get a chance to see. It's James Caan, right. and he is so good in it uh, as this villain. And he is he is a gangster who is just no nonsense. He has a lot of Don Logan in him, mm-hmm. where he basically makes Tuesday Weld become his wife, and then he buys a baby. Like he's trying to assemble a life instead of living a life. He's trying to assemble it, and he's trying to do it in a time frame. Like he's put he's given he's given himself a short amount of time to get a family together and do all the, you, you have to see it. I can't, I, I don't really explain it. And he, get, he winds up falling into bed with Robert Prosky and he works as an independent thief, but Robert Prosky says, I can give you one score and then you're out. So he gives him the score and then Prosky comes to him with like three more. And he's like, no, I, I'm not doing any more for you. Yeah. And then he says, no, you have to. And, and then basically he winds you, how he gets out of it is the rest of the movie. Yeah. You have to see it, but it's man, it's a fantastic movie. Uh, Dennis Freen is in that too. That was his first, yeah. his first role because he was a, uh Chicago cop. Chicago cop. And he had been like a consultant to Michael Mann or something. Yeah. Uh, uh, and that's how he broke into acting. Yep. Yeah. Phenomenal movie. Yeah. I, I'm a big Michael Mann fan. And uh, and actually, oh, 
All right. We, uh, we had mentioned the, uh, Javier Bardem a, few, a couple weeks ago. in refer- uh, Did you ever see Collateral? Uh, yeah. Okay. Collateral, Tom Cruise. Right, yeah, right. yeah, okay, yeah. Um, and he is the guy who hired Tom Cruise. He's like uh, the, right. big, the big boss. And it's just, and he's only in like one scene. But, uh, you know, it's, a, it's an amazing scene. Just, I, I like any actor that can convey menace with, almost, with very little, with like no menacing lines. Yeah. And he just works against the seemingly innocent nature of the lines and just really, and like, it's more frightening to hear this guy talk about some Mexican fable than it is to hear him, to, for him to say, I'm going to kill you. Right. You know, and uh, so, yeah, that for some reason that just uh, Michael Mann made me think of that because uh, it's an amazing performance. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, Michael Mann, like you, you talked about James Caan being sort of what a man should be or at least in, in a, for your 14-year-old mind. That's sort of what Michael Mann traffics in is like pictures of manhood, you know, yeah. masculinity. Sure. Yeah. That's true. I mean, I guess basically every one of his movies has had, you know, a strong uh, male lead, if not two or three of them. Yeah. So, um, now you saw No Country for Old Men? I sure did. I didn't okay. see it yet. Oh, all right. I will tell you, Javier Bardem is, uh, he's pretty good in it. Yeah, that's what I hear. I like the idea of, tell, of saying that he's really awesome is ruining it. <laughs> Whether it's good or not, I'll let, I'll, I don't want to spoil anything. Um, <laughs> Let's see. Oh, yeah. Now I... Okay. Here's... This... The reason that I actually said, uh, you know, suggest that we talk about gangsters as opposed to gangster movies is because I don't really like the movie Gangs of New York that much. However, Bill the Butcher is amazing. Phenomenal. If I can overuse that word on your podcast. (laughs) That's fine. I mean... I, I, I didn't get it was funny when it first came out I, I kind of shined seeing it it was a longer movie and I, I was, I was going to see it but I couldn't get my wife to go and so finally I went one day on my own like at noon at the Grove and uh, I get uh, I get a bucket of popcorn and then I get a giant like a fruit punch okay, okay? and I go in and I sit down and I was excited to, to be in there because I think the Spider-Man trailer was with it or something, something right. some trailer was with it but I was excited so I go and I sit down and uh, that trailer plays uh, and then the movie starts. The movie, you know, uh, and I lift up my fruit punch, and the top comes off, and it spills everywhere. <laughs> the entire, you know, depth charge size fruit punch that I had purchased for the three-hour film that's about to commence right. has spilled every drop out onto the floor and the rug. And uh, and I wanted to see the movie so bad. I because uh, I'm not a guy who leaves during movies. I don't use yeah. the restroom. I don't ever do that. And uh, so I went beverageless, I, I sans beverage for the entire three hour film. But still with a big popcorn. Big popcorn. Still knocked that back. Real, yeah. yeah. I I I dabbled in the popcorn. I'll be honest. <laughs> I didn't exactly. You know, I didn't go full on two fisted trough size. But I. Uh, but man, I again, I saw that movie three times at the movies because. He, uh, and I heard people beefing that Daniel Day Lewis was just doing a De Niro riff. You know, he was just basically doing, uh, you know, because it was a Scorsese movie. Right. He said the direction may have been, "Hey, just be like De Niro." People were, you know, mocking that, and they didn't like the movie. But and I, I loved it. I mean, I, I thought he was so great, and I thought DiCaprio was good in it too. I thought they all were good. But, but man, Daniel Day Lewis was really good. I think. I mean, it's it's a good movie, and I think he's the. I think his performance is the reason that it is. I think he really elevated it to that status of being good to being really good, if not great. Yeah. Um, and it's just because I remember I had seen it a long time before David, you finally saw it and we were living. Yeah. Together when it was on time. DVD, I finally saw it and, uh, we were living together when you watched it and I was walking out and, uh, you were halfway through the movie and I was like, Hey, what do you think? And you're like, I don't really like it. 
Daniel Day Lewis is like, I'm trying to see if he's just crazy <laughs> or like if there's, you know, if there's some more in depth stuff. Uh, and it turns out, no, he's just crazy. Yeah. He's just, <laughs> but in the best kind of way. I mean, it's just. It, it's, yeah, in the best kind of racist, I love this country for all the wrong reasons way. Absolutely. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> um, but, uh, and it looks like he, he'll be giving like a similar performance in um, yeah. There Will Be Blood. Uh, right. Which I'm, yeah, I, I like the trailer a lot. And uh, the kid in that movie... I, Paul Dano, I'm a big fan of his. Okay, I well, I saw him in there, and I'm going, I, is this a new kid? And then he's in something I just... What's he in? What's he from? He's been in Little Miss Sunshine. Little Miss Sunshine. That's what it was. Yeah. He's, he's the mute the teenage yeah, kid right. who won't talk. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't believe it when I, I after I saw the trailer, and then went, who's that? And then saw who, that he was him, I went, no way. I mean, that was... Yeah, yeah great. He's, I'm, I've... I've been a big fan of his. I saw a movie called uh, L.I.E. with uh, Brian Cox, and okay. he's uh, Paul Dano's a young kid in that, and uh, and he was really good in that. And then I saw a movie called The King with William Hurt and Gael Garcia Bernal. And uh, didn't he didn't Gael, uh, Bernal direct that as well? Uh, or am I thinking of something else? James Marsh directed that. No, Bernal directed a film. I think. I'm sorry. Uh, now we're, we're losing subscribers as I speak because I don't, because I don't know what the fuck I'm no, talking about. No, no, they're, they're running to IMDb. They're like going, oh, hold on. I'll find out for you. Um, but, uh, yeah, Paul Dano is, is great, and I'm looking forward to There Will Be Blood. And, yeah. Oh, man. Now, you you were a big fan of The Departed, right? Yeah. I, I just watched it again this week. I've probably seen it like eight times now. Okay. Saw it at the movies three times, and then uh, I got the DVD for the from the Academy for the voting, you know, all that stuff, and... Uh, and then kept I watched it twice in a row. You know, it's one of those movies that you just put on and, and walk around the house and, or work or do something, and it's just playing because it's so good. It's like music. Yeah, I I, uh, I didn't love the movie, but I will say this: I really want to own it because I have a feeling, like you know, it wasn't my favorite movie of that year, but I keep wanting to see it because the performances are just so damn good. Everyone is great in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I. I love Matt Damon in that I think like oddly enough everyone got mentioned in reviews except for him yeah and I was like you know he's doing amazing work here right but but like Nicholson is so he really embraces the hedonism yeah of being a gangster just isn't David isn't your like your favorite thing is when he comes out covered in blood and never makes reference to what the blood is <laughs> right. nope. yeah that's hilarious <laughs> yeah she says, "All right, you're you're off tonight. I'm going to take these guys. Going with some new guys tonight. Guys got blood up to his elbows. <laughs> wow. Okay. I don't know what's going on back there. I don't think I want to know. Yeah, that's beautiful. Oh, yeah, man. but that's also that movie also has Ray Winstone in that's it. Right. Uh, he's awesome. Sexy Beast. Yeah, he's yeah. great. Yeah, I like Ray Winstone. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think. You know, I I think well, I might have exhausted my. my <laughs> you know, I made a list ahead. and uh, I left it at home, but um." So I'm sort of going. You had a couple hours to get it. I'm, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so you can't blame me for that. No, but uh, well, we started out talking about Reservoir Dogs, and um, uh, Quint, I think Quentin Tarantino sure knows how to write a gangster. I think uh, Marcellus Wallace, oh yeah, uh, and especially I mean, Ving Rhames brings a lot to that. But he's 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 very much the the calm, cool, collected, you know, uh, right. but incredibly imposing. Not just because Ving Rhames is a big, huge man, but. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Marcellus Wallace goes on the list. Yeah, I think so too. And I, and I think uh, Jules uh, Jules Winfield goes on the list too. Samuel L. Jackson is so great in that movie, and and uh, you know he it's easy to say now. Oh, he's just doing Samuel L. Yeah. You know, but at the time he hadn't been doing it that much. So when he right. did it, you were just going, "What is this force of nature screaming yeah. in that guy's face?" <laughs> yeah. You know, that whole does he look like a bitch, Brett? And all, I mean, that whole yeah. scene <laughs> is just and the best. My favorite part of it is that Travolta 
Hey, he's seen it before. He's just in the kitchen. He's like rummaging around, yeah. lighting a cigarette. You know, he knows what's happening, <laughs> and it's 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 wild. I mean, I, they're both. So, there's another there's another movie I saw ten times at the theater. I would go see it when I was on the road for stand up. Just if I had free time, I'd go. And it was funny to see it in towns like Peoria, uh, and, and certain small towns. Like I went to one place, and it was a crazy. When the Band Apart logo came up, uh-huh. people clapped. So I was like, "This is going to be fun," yeah. and people were really into it, and and just almost like Rocky Horror type of vibe. Then I saw it at times where I would laugh at at stuff, and people would turn around and look at me like, "Dude, what is wrong with you?" What, like that, Marvin getting shot in the face, dude. That scene when they're cleaning <laughs> yeah. the car, and he says to him, "Look, I, you can only have a race car in the red." And he goes, "A race car in the red? Well, I'm a mushroom, mushroom cloud land motherfucker, motherfucker." <laughs> he goes, "You know what? That's it. We're switching. I'm yeah. gonna, and you're picking up this nigger skull." And it's like, "Oh man, just just such an inappropriately funny line, but hysterical." Yeah. My biggest memory of laughing at something that no one else in the theater laughed at is uh, "Out of Sight." You know that movie? Yeah, yeah. Oh, when uh, when the big as uh, white boy Bob, I think is the character. Yeah, he's running up those marble stairs to get George Clooney, and he trips and shoots himself in the head. <laughs> oh, I God. laughed so hard, and then yeah, I looked around. Yeah, and no one thought it was funny. I'm doing a lot of that lately. <laughs> I, I I saw because I mean I I'm going to you know I go see horror movies all the time, and uh, horror movies blow. I mean I, I, I unfortunately I mean yeah. I, uh, I mean I, No Country for Old Men is the, has more tension in it than the entire Saw series. That's I mean it, it's. Right. So, I, we, but I was telling you, I saw Saw in the theater, and it's ridiculous. I mean, it's ludicrous. Or was I telling you, Ty? I think you were telling. Me. I, yeah, I was telling Tyler that I, I went to see it, and it's just my wife and I. I'm, I'm laughing out loud <laughs> at the movie, and not to be a prick, not one of those smug hipster guys who's just like, "Oh, I'm so much better than this film." Hey, I paid to see it. I wish it was great, you know. Yeah. But some things happen that are just ludicrous. It's just one of those movies where. You know, constantly they're sweating somebody in the interrogation room. You see this blood? This is my partner's blood. Now you better tell me what we're looking for. You know that. And then literally, some guy just walks in the room and and goes, "You need to take a look at this." You know, and he does it like four times in in an hour. You really need to take a look at this. Well, when I saw the first saw with my with my girlfriend, I and to me, I think the first saw at least is to a certain extent supposed to be kind of funny because I yeah. I laughed at it a lot. Like Carrie Elwes is so insanely over the top in that yeah. movie that I thought it was funny. And so the credits were rolling, and Teresa looked at me. She was like, "That movie sucked." And I was like, "Are you kidding? It was hilarious." And then like, <laughs> I think that yeah, she I, was I, I made her for completely that. rethink the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she was not looking. She was looking for grim, you know. Yeah. And and same deal. I when I I saw Hostel two. And uh, well, Hostel One is brutal. I like Hostel. It, yes, and it's yeah. bru- It delivers on what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Hostel Two, he completely he tries to go for the humor in it, and he tries to go, and you're just going, really, dude, you didn't need to do that. I mean, I, I don't know if hanging out with Tarantino rubbed off on him or yeah. what it was, but you know what? There's a reason Quentin Tarantino makes those movies, and not a lot of other people can make those movies. You know, I mean, Kevin Smith can can get away with doing stuff like that too, but you know, Eli Roth trying to have Bijou Phillips be all glib is, is not helping. <laughs> um. Uh, well, speaking of, uh, you talk, mentioned Tarantino, and uh, well, you were talking about Tyler. You were talking about Javier Bardem only having the one scene in Collateral. Right. One of the greatest gangsters of all time is uh, Don Vincenzo from True Romance, who's only in a couple scenes, oh. but yeah, he's uh, amazing and charismatic. Yeah, and the, the scene with Hopper—you can't turn it off. The scene with yeah. Hopper is so yeah. great. And uh, and then he says, "My favorite is when he's shooting him, and he says, I 'I haven't killed anybody since 1984.' So what? <laughs> yeah. What are you saying that for?" <laughs> And then the one Italian guy comes in and goes, hey, what happened? He goes, hey, that guy told Don Vincenzo his dad was a, you know, an eggplant or whatever. And he goes, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like for no reason. They have the subtitles. I love it, man. And, I, and, you want to, and it's funny, getting back to almost full circle, Gandolfini is a Don oh, Logan yeah. type of soldier in that movie. Yeah. And that, that he is, but also with charisma where you're, you're, you know, you, 
you, he cuts, you know, he cuts Hopper's hand behind him at that one point. Yeah. He reaches him. And then when he went to the scene where he sees Brad Pitt, and he's like, hey, uh, are they going to come back here? And, and Brad Pitt's like, don't condescend to me, man. I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> and that's really funny. Yeah. And then he has that scene. And if you've got the DVD, it's even an extended yeah. scene of when he beats up Patricia Arquette. And it's yeah. vi- just brutal. Yeah. And that's that whole speech. Yeah. Just- now I kill it just to see their face, the expression change on their face. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, and she puts the corkscrew in his foot. And, then he's, and when he looks up, and he goes, that's it. No more Mr. Nice Guy. And yeah. she goes, oh, God. Like, it's, it's the greatest <laughs> off-screen oh, God. Because yeah. she's like, she, she, you know. You know she's going to get her ass kicked, and she knows it, too. It's, yeah. it's beautiful. Oh, man. I want to go out and watch all these movies now. <laughs> uh, now, you know, I don't know why it didn't occur to me to say, uh, when you were talking about Mr. Blonde, uh, I've loved Mr. Pink for a long time. Yeah. Um, just because... You know, the whole idea, I, I think for me, like the appeal of, of gangster movies is the idea of these guys who are just, you know, for a lot of them, it is just a, you know, they think it's just a job and, you know, you go in, you do what you got to do and that's the end of it. But of course, they wind up getting emotionally invested and that's usually where the trouble comes. Mr. Pink is the guy that's true to the idea of being a gangster. Yes. Yeah. You know, he's like a purist. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like he, he is the most rational one in the room. And when Steve Buscemi is playing the most rational, one, in the room, <laughs> is, you know, you're just in a room full of psychos. Yeah. Um, yeah. Res- Reservoir Dogs has a, another great scene where we talk about how these guys, you know, they have charisma mm-hmm. and then we see them doing horrible things and you blanch, but you still root for them. Right. Well, yeah. There's a great scene with, like that within the movie where Roth and, and Keitel are staking out the jewelry store. Right. Yeah. And Keitel is telling him, uh, hey, you know, uh, you know what you need to do with this guy is you need to, you know, you put, put her on the floor, some bitch talk shit to her, you hit her in the face. Right. Tim Roth actually laughs yeah. like he thinks it's funny. Yeah. And then he says, if you got another guy, he thinks he's a real cowboy, you got to break him, cut off his thumb. He'll tell you if he wears ladies' underwear. And you yeah. see Tim Roth literally, like, he like kind of shrinks and just kind of looks down because he, you know, even he is, then he realizes, oh, these are bad, bad guys. And I need yeah. to, you know, and he becomes human again for just a second. And, that's, and then Kaitel's like, I'm hungry, let's get a taco. Because yes. that's, you know, he's, he's just talking business. Yeah. And Roth is, you know, ha ha and having fun until he's, he knows he's serious when he says that. Right. And I think it's a great thing for the audience, too, because the audience is, rooting for these guys and then you hear that and you oh wait that he's serious and Roth is us in that scene yeah you don't say that unless you are speaking from experience you don't you don't yeah. you know speculate that maybe this guy <laughs> to you cut off his fingers um, did you did you see uh, Eastern Promises yeah oh yeah, yeah, David, yeah. that is one of your favorite uh, I loved it movies. yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I didn't love it as much as I wanted to but I did like it quite a bit um, I agree with you I wanted it I wanted more because I went in sky high expectations yeah. I really wanted I it to be great Sure. Oh, and he's and speaking again, fantastic yeah. in that. Yeah. When he goes well, to Philly and he becomes a completely different guy, it's so great. Yeah, right. Well, Eastern Promises has sort of the three like archetypes that we're talking about. It has Armin Mueller Stahl, who is the elevated, uh, yeah. distant, charismatic, uh, you know, gang leader, and then it has uh, Viggo Mortensen, who is uh, charismatic in the in the in the cool way that we want to be him. You know, he's like at our level. And then there's Vincent Cassell, who's the crazy, unhinged, yeah. you know, Joe Pesci or like Robert De Niro in Mean Streets type of guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, that, I mean, as much as I didn't love the movie, I mean, the characters are all very strong and the performances are amazing. Um, and yeah, Armin Mueller saw, I just, I, I don't know, he reminds, he reminded me of uh, Paul Newman in Road to Perdition. Just that kind of, you know, he seems like such a good patriarchal kind of nice guy but i mean when you actually see him like giving an order or something like that i mean you see that it's just freaking ice water in his veins yeah yeah and, uh, 
and that uh, again with Vincent Cassell being his his son, yeah. you know, uh, much like uh, Daniel Craig in Road to Perdition, right. you know, they're both probably uh, if they hadn't been born into it, wouldn't have made it very far in this in right, this world, right. and that uh, that that unearned power makes them more dangerous. Yeah. So. I'm done. Yeah, well, we've been going for a while now, so... Yeah, this is about time to, to wrap it up. in front of me, I think, I think, I think we... In front of any of us, I think we've all done pretty well. Yeah, it was a good time. Hear that, time folks? Like? Hear that, folks? No notes. He was very quick to tell you. <laughs> yeah. right. In case you're wondering if this was scripted. Look at that. His Uzi weighs a ton, folks. <laughs> all right. I, so. I had a great time, and I, I, again, I can't apologize profusely enough for, for making you guys late. I, 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 it's my fault, and I do apologize. But thank you so much for asking, and I'd love to do it again. And I will be on time next time. Okay. Well, uh, and like uh, MikeSchmidtComedy.com? Yeah, right? if you go to MikeSchmidtComedy.com, uh, you, know, you can contact me through there. You can go to MySpace.com slash MikeSchmidtComedy. Uh, or you can just go to my MikeSchmidtComedy.com and get to my MySpace through that. And send me emails at Mike at MikeSchmidtComedy.com. And uh, I'm also at, uh, you know what, I'm, I'll plug it anyway. I don't know if this is going to air, but I'll be at F and Funny's uh, Fresh and Funny show on November 30th, oh, okay. which is, I think, a Friday. Uh, and the thing there is you have to do topical material, so you have to do stuff that's happened in the past two weeks. So oh, cool. I'll be There's, doing. Yeah, I mean, uh, your your clips on F and Funny are very, uh, very hilarious. Oh, you're nice, man. Thank so, you. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, but you can also find those on, on my website. Yeah, on the site. Yeah, well, I think one of them doesn't run, and I've talked to my web guy about it constantly. It's because it has an ad on it. Through oh, okay. F and Funny, I don't know who cares, but go go to F and Funny and see me. See the same clips at uh, MikeSchmidtComedy.com. Hopefully, they'll have some we'll have some new clips up uh, shortly. And uh, I'll be in Chicago. Uh, if you're going to hear this in Chicago, I'll be in Chicago December 20th, 21st, and 22nd at the Comedy Comedy in Aurora, Illinois. And I'll be in Las Vegas New Year's Eve through January 7th at the Riviera Comedy Club. So come out and check me out there. We do have several listeners in Chicago, so go see Mike. He's absolutely hilarious. It's unbelievable how funny I am. All right, and of course, <laughs> halftime comedy show at the UCB. Yeah, November twenty seventh. It's Tuesday night. All right, All right. so thanks, thanks for, for uh, thanks for being here. Right. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Love the show. All right, All right bye. You.